It's a great privilege to join you tonight. And being a new year, it involves new opportunities. And we're going to try something new at Uni Church tonight. Whoa. <laughs> the new thing is this we're going to have question and answer time. You think, that's not new. Here's the new thing it's going to be live. <laughs> that means you get to ask your questions out loud. There'll be a microphone going around. And those of us who are brave and courageous, and those of us who aren't brave and courageous, will get the opportunity to ask that question. Is that all right? So please write down your questions. We want to do that. We, if we can't experiment on you guys, who can we experiment on, right? This is a safe environment. Uh, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. There might be people here who are here for the first time, and if that's you who's uh, checking things out, we hope you understand why it's a safe thing to do, right? And, and I want to say from up front, I don't care who the person is up front, especially me, you've got to make sure that what the person says up front is actually consistent with what the Bible says. And if it doesn't fit what the Bible says, then you ask your questions, won't you? Because the Bible is what matters most of all. And that's what we stand for at this church. Will you pray with me? We thank you, dear Father, for the privilege and opportunity it is to gather here this night. The first day of this new year in 2023, to meet, to hear your voice in the Bible. And we pray that you might help me to teach it well. And please help us all to listen well so that we might respond in a manner that is truly appropriate. And we pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, as we begin 2023, can I ask you, were you satisfied with your life last year? Were you satisfied with your quality of life? Or satisfied with your family life? Satisfied with your work life? The experiments you needed to make, or the statistics you had to punch in, or or your work progress at university? Were you satisfied with your church life if you attend church? Were you satisfied with your personal walk with Jesus? I wonder whether if you're like me, the answer is probably not. That's me. I don't know whether that's you. That is, in all these areas, we manage to get some good runs on the board, but I suspect we all think we could have done better, especially when it comes to our personal lives with God. And there's nothing like a new year to make resolutions to improve our lives. When it comes to personal quality of life, we can, well, seek to up the ante, seek to improve it. I said there'll be live questions for you to ask me, but now I'm, I'm going to do something cheeky. I hope you're up for it. I'm going to ask you a question, and I'd love you to talk to the person next to you. Oh, is that scary? Can you talk to the person next to you? Just answer this question. I hope it's not a hard question. The question is this. Whose voices do people listen to for self-improvement? Is that a clear enough question? Let me ask it another way. Who are the people that people turn to for advice and counsel to improve their lives. Whose voices, right? I'm talking about publicity voices out there, you know, big voices out there in the world. Is that okay? You're gonna, you, you think you can do it? 
talk to the person next to you. Whoa, let's go for it. Chat to the person next to you. Whose voices? Just mention a few voices. Okay, I'll get you back together again. I'm so generous, I've given you a whole 45 seconds, right? So, I, is, now this is going to be a brave act as well. I'm going to ask if anybody's willing to share that with all of us. Is that all right? Anybody willing to share? Just put up your hand and, and share with us. Yes, an apprentice. <laughs> First day on the job, yes. Simon Snick. Yeah, yeah, he's the guy who does all this, uh, yeah, uh, quality of life stuff, isn't it? Improvement. He says, chuck your iPhones out, all that kind of thing, and you know, do the technology thing else. Yeah, Simon. Yeah, yeah. Any other names come to mind at all? Yes, up the back. Well, my flatmates and my pastors. Your pastors. <laughs> Whoa. Okay, your flatmates. You didn't say that, did you? It was your flatmate who said that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your pastors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great. Yes. Brene Brown. Hands up if you've heard of Brene Brown. Yeah, okay, yeah, she's been gone. So, but there's all sorts of voices out there, isn't it? No one mentioned the Dalai Lama, uh, but, you know, they look to him as well. There's all sorts of voices that people... Sorry, you want to share? Yeah. Oh, we've got two names. Yeah. Yeah, Jordan Peterson and Oprah Winifrey. <laughs> Almost the same. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> but they're big names, aren't they? And they're podcast people as well. Yeah, there's all sorts of voices that people turn to uh, with regard to counsel for self-improvement in life. Uh, there's also a website called Life Hacks. Anybody seen that, that website? Okay, a couple of us have. In Life Hacks, you can actually get 42, wait, 42 practical ways to start working on self-improvement. They include everything from learning a new language, cultivating a new habit, uh, starting a new business venture. And wait for it, my favorite, cultivating an, an inspirational room, right? So you start to make a room, make it inspiring somehow. I don't know, you put pictures of whales or something on the room. <laughs> These voices range everywhere with regard to how it is to improve yourself, mentally, physically, spiritually, because we're dissatisfied with where life is at. We just need to improve and improve and improve. And that's why I wonder whether you can identify with the satisfyingly happy person who was in Psalm 1, who was described that way. See, here we read in Psalm 1, a person who is absolutely happy. The word literally is blessed. Someone who always prospers. Always. Now, in other words, this person is truly satisfied. I mean, who experiences such satisfying blessings? Well, if you've got a Bible, look at chapter 1, verse 1. If not, I think it's going to come up on the screen. Chapter 1, verse 1. Have a look there. It says, firstly, what does this person do? How happy or literally blessed is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Now, here is poetry describing the person who does not 
progressively get more and more comfortable with wickedness. Do you see the words in red there on the screen? It's walking, then it's standing, and then it's sitting in one of those easy recliner chairs or in a hot tub or something like that. It's getting more and more comfortable in your posture. And what's that an idea of? It's getting more and more comfortable with wickedness. Not walking in the counsel, the advice of the wicked. Not standing in the pathway of sinners. In other words, being like a sinner in their actions and ultimately sitting in the company of mockers, in their thought world, so that we're in the end mocking God just like everyone else is. This is someone who progressively gets more comfortable with wickedness. Can you see the progressive posture? It is progressively becoming more comfortable with the wickedness that we are surrounded by. Why, it's everywhere, isn't it? It's even in Netflix. I wonder whether you watch Netflix or not, or at least one of those particular programs. Each of them progressively gets more and more immoral. Even Anne of Green Gables, would you believe? The latest version of that, Anne with an E, you'll see there's pockets of immorality in there. We just get more and more comfortable with it. We don't realize it. We're just so immune to it. The blessed one does not progressively get more comfortable with wickedness. Instead, the psalmist points out that there is only one characteristic needed to ward off this wickedness, and it's there in verse 2. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction. The original word there is Torah, and he meditates on it day and night. Hands up if you've heard the word Torah before. Yeah, so a number of us are familiar with that. The word Torah refers to, really, the first five books of the Bible, or what Christians understand as the Old Testament part of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? Those first five books. And they're known as the law of Moses. Moses is likely to be the author of those books, at least that's what most people think. Now, in those books... If you meditate on that, says the psalmist, that is the blessed, fully satisfied person. Why? Because what is in those books? Well, if you ponder that, if you've been reading your Bibles, if you know your Bibles, you'll know that those books are filled with the law of God, like the Ten Commandments and all the other accompanying commandments that surround the Ten Commandments. And those laws, if you ponder it, are actually very beautiful laws, aren't they? You know, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. You think about those things. If people obey those laws, this land would be a very beautiful land. It is in terms of landscape, but in terms of people, and that's all over the world, right? And if you think about it further, many of our laws in our land, at least in the Western world, is actually based off these laws. To, to actually try and extract the Christian commandments of God out of laws from our country, in the end, it's like trying to extract flour from a cake, if the cake's made of flour, that is. right. I know there are flourless cakes. <laughs> but to actually take it out, you just can't do that. The laws of God are beautiful laws. But there's even more to that, because in the framework of those first five books of the Bible... It's not just the laws of God, but those laws come within a context of God rescuing his people, rescuing his people out of Egypt 
from slavery, rescuing his people from sin and slavery. And God makes the first move to do that. So all of that contained, when you actually look at that together, is what is the Torah, where God rescues his people out of sheer grace, sheer mercy. And just like the Torah, which consists of five books, the book of Psalms has five books, known as the Psalter. And so to meditate on the Lord's instruction is to equally meditate on the Psalms and indeed all of Scripture. Scripture, you see, is evidence that the maker of the universe is a God who initiates, who reveals, who speaks. And we today have the Bible, which is written ultimately by God through human authors, but God ultimately is the author. And if you ponder it as an aside, there are only two options when it comes to knowing God, our knowledge of our creator and our judge. There's only two options. It's either revelation, where God reveals himself, or speculation, where we speculate what God is like. There's only two options when it comes to knowing God, isn't there? Either he speaks, or we guess. And God has spoken. How wonderful is that? God has actually revealed himself. The Lord of heaven and earth forfeited his own personal privacy to disclose himself to us, to befriend us through a book, through the scriptures. Scriptures are like an all-access pass to the revealed will and mind of God who made us. How incredible are the scriptures? That's why this church seeks to live life so that this is the supreme authority in all matters of life, faith, and conduct. And so good and so right and so true. And small wonder that the blessed one wants to meditate on it day and night. It's not the kind of meditation where you empty your mind. It's the kind of meditation where you fill your mind with God's revealed word. In fact, the word meditation here actually literally refers to a murmuring under your breath. It's more of a corporate activity where you share what it is that you read and understand with one another so that you keep on teaching one another the word of God. It's one of the self-improvement things that you could seek to do if you actually want to read more books. Why not read more of Scripture? The truly happy, blessed, satisfied person is one who delights in the Word of God, in the Lord's instruction. But secondly, the truly happy, blessed, satisfied person is one in verse 3. Look how... This person is described, he or she is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. So picture this tree, genuinely healthy tree. Everything is as it should be. Water that will never run out. Fruit that will always be produced at the right time. Healthy leaves that never look sick. One last question for you, if you can cope. Right? It's the first day of the new year. We're full of vigor. We're full of courage now. What kind of life is being conveyed by this image of a healthy tree? It's slightly harder. Have a think about it. Just ponder it. 
meditate on it with one another for a moment, okay? Just for a minute. What kind of life do you think is being conveyed by this image of a healthy tree? If there's one word that you could come up with to describe this, what could it be? Murmur to one another now. Is that all right? Go for a minute. Have a go. Have a go. What ideas are there? Okay, any words come to mind? Anybody willing to share? Maybe another apprentice? Oh, no, no, up, yes, yes, up the back. Sustained, yeah, thank you. Sustained, that's a great word. Yeah, any other, yes. Immortality, yeah, great, yeah. Oh, up the back, man on sound. Dependent, yeah, dependent on the streams of water and the like. I think all those things fit in various ways. That's right. Uh, the particular word I thought of was security. In fact, it's in your outline. I thought some of you might cheat it there, but it's in the outline, right? Security as well. But, but those things are all picked up there, aren't they? Dependence on the flowing water. Uh, the, certainly, it's sustained. Uh, there is a sense of immortality because it always prospers, right? This person always prospers. I've gone with security because, you see, the happiest and blessed person is completely and utterly and satisfyingly secure. Not only is he or she secure, but in all that they do, they always, note, prosper. Always, always prosper. Have you met such a person who always prospers? Have you? Whether it's at university, whether it's in the workplace, who always, always lands on their feet always gets the best deal, always is the healthiest, always, always. Well, there's a particular TV series called Limitless, starring this man. Anybody seen Limitless at all? Yeah, yeah, a couple of people. In this series, Chris Hemsworth, a.k.a. Thor, he's Australian, I'm sorry about that, Chris Hemsworth, in this series, explores how we can improve ourselves by living healthier, smarter, longer lives. And so he goes through epic trials and challenges, through stress alleviation at great heights, swimming in Arctic water, would you believe, uh, fasting for four days to reset his system, uh, and improving not just strength, but memory. And so part of that strengthening of memory means going without his phone and going without GPS. So don't go with GPS, right? Just try and work your way out throughout the place and see how you go because that will ward off dementia and enable you to live life for longer. And at the end, he says, you've got to accept that aging will come and that you will one day die. And he even meets a death doula in the last episode to accept the coming ravages of aging and, and death itself. But the big point is, you see, that even this good-looking, muscle-bound Thor does not always prosper, right? no matter what he has done. And you should see how many kind of, what do you call these things? 
biceps things, right? <laughs> Curls, aren't they? Or how many sit-ups or how many things that you do to get ripped and have your six-pack as opposed to a keg, you know, is what he's, he's working on in the end. And he does all of that, eats well, and he, he, he diets well, and he, he runs well, and he does all of that. But he knows that you can't improve to the point of immortality. But the blessed person of Psalm 1 always prospers, genuinely satisfied, no need for self-improvement. Who is such a person? This is the mark of someone who is in contrast to the one who is not happy, the one who is not blessed. In verse 4, they're described as the wicked, right? The wicked are not like this. The original says something like this, the blessed one is like a tree, not so the wicked, not so. The blessed one always prospers, not so the wicked, not so. Why? Because the life of the wicked is insecure. Look at verse 4. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. As opposed to a tree that is planted, they are like chaff that is blown away like grass clippings after the lawn is mowed. The wind comes and they just blow away. There's no security. It's, It's just dry and lifeless and sad. And as such, they will perish in condemnation. And so we read in verses 5 and 6 of Psalm 1, Therefore the wicked will not stand up in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. That is, the wicked will perish under God's condemnation. Because they don't want to live for God. They want to mock God. They want to live their own lives their own way without God. And God is going to give them exactly what we want. Life without Him. That's condemnation. Unlike the blessed ones whose righteous ways are known by God. You see, the righteous are the ones who are aligned with God's standards as creator and judge. Whereas the wicked, they're not aligned with God's standards. And they will perish. So who are these happy, blessed, satisfyingly secure people? Do you think you are? Do you think your friends are? Do you think your family are? Genuinely satisfied? And of all the voices of self-improvement today, one of the most influential voices belongs to, well, someone who is a doppelganger of mine, and I'm sure none of you will be surprised. Her name is Taylor Swift. <laughs> she and I are doppelgangers, not by way of looks, you might have gathered, nor by nationality, but we share the same Myers-Briggs personality type. There you go. Tay-Tay, my mate Tay-Tay, Tay-Tay was given an honorary doctorate from New York University. She is a genuine bona fide doctor of philosophy. It was an honorary doctorate. She didn't study for it, but that's beside the point. But she gave the graduation speech, and Dr. Swift 
said this. I know the pressure of living the life through the lens of perfectionism. In your life, you will inevitably misspeak, trust the wrong person, underreact, overreact, overthink, not think at all, ruin perfectly good moments for yourself and others, feel very guilty, let the guilt eat away at you, hit rock bottom, try and do better next time. Rinse, repeat. Rinse, repeat. Do you identify with that? I certainly do. And I think Dr. Swift is onto something here, actually. She's a bit of a sage. Whatever self-improvement you just try doesn't seem to ultimately satisfy, does it? Life will inevitably be a rinse and repeat of all our failures. So who does God have in view here in Psalm 1? Someone who is always satisfyingly secure. Well, the kings of Israel were meant to be such people, God's chosen people. We learn in Deuteronomy 17, which you'll see on the screen, in verses 18 and following, speaking of the king, God says of him that when he is seated on his royal throne, he is to write a copy of his instruction, of, sorry, of this instruction for himself on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priests. It is to remain with him and he is to read from it all the days of his life so that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, to observe all the words of this instruction and to do these statutes. You know what these instructions are? The Torah. The king is meant to do that. He was meant to actually write in longhand in Hebrew. Actually, it's that direction, right? From right to left. He was meant to write out the laws of God. And in so doing, meditate on them, think about them, think about them day and night and, and instruct others from the word of God. And if so doing, they would be blessed, happy. Likewise, the people of Israel that the kings were to oversee, they themselves were to be these people of God from Psalm 1. In Deuteronomy 28, we read these words. Now, if you faithfully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all his commands I am giving you today, the Lord your God will put you far above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings, right, that the blessings will come and overtake you because you obey the Lord your God. You'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the country. Your offspring will be blessed. Your land's produce and the offspring of your livestock, including the young of your herds and the newborn of your flocks. Your basket and kneading bowl will be blessed. You'll be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. See, one, two, three, four, five, six, six times it mentions blessed there. If they... Obey the Torah. They are to be blessed. They are to be the people of Psalm 1. But as good as all these people were, both king and people alike chose in the end the counsel of the wicked. They chose to stand in the way of sinners. They chose to sit in the seat of mockers. And the story of Israel and her kings are a tragedy. And we don't have to search too hard, do we, if we just start to scratch the outer layer of our hearts and to look within to recognize that there's no way that we actually meet the requirements of Psalm 1 on our own. 
if we're honest. I mean, you just start to look within and you recognize how far short we fall of God's standards. A small wonder that, according to Romans chapter 3, verse 10, there is no one righteous. No one who aligns himself with God's standards. Not even one. No, that's, that's what Jaron shared with us in terms of his testimony. That, that's, that's really what helped him understand the point at which he needed to turn back to God because there is no one. None of us can meet his standards. None of us fit the bill of Psalm 1. None of us can. No matter what self-improvement we long for, we can't do it. No one is truly righteous. No one is truly blessed. No one can be ultimately happy and satisfied like the person in Psalm 1. The people we ought to identify with most of all are the wicked. For even at our best, even at our best, we can be wickedly proud. I remember a time when I got up early in the morning, it was still dark, and I went jogging. That in itself, I thought, wow. And not only did I decide to go jogging, the night before, there was a big wind, and, and all the otto bins were out, right, the garbage bins, and they'd blown down through the wind the night before. And so I got up that morning, and I put the bins back up again. And I got to the top of my street, and I looked down at all these bins that I'd put up, and I thought to myself, gee, you're good, Richard. You're so good. No one knows who put the bin up. Only God knows, you know. Auckland EV knows. But no one else knows. Gee, you're good. Have you ever felt a little bit proud of your good actions somewhere, sometime? I don't know, it might be giving money to charity. It might be helping a person. Maybe even tonight, you just helped a new person. You felt brave enough to ask something, and you thought, oh, yeah, I did that. We did that together or something or other. There's just a little bit of you that there's great encouragement. Please forget, you know, don't, don't feel overly tragic about that. But the point is that even at my best, I'm just wickedly proud, aren't I? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. There is one who did meet God's standards. He alone never sinned. He alone delighted in God's word just like Psalm 1. He alone prospered, not in the sense that we humans would ever have imagined, but he did prosper. And his prosperity did not lie in the security of our world. No, he had nowhere to lay his head. Now, his prosperity lied in the security of his father. And his name is Jesus. And here is the most amazing news in all the world. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, we read, For Christ Jesus also suffered for sins once for all the righteous, the one who did meet God's standards, for the unrighteous, those who don't meet God's standards, namely you and me and the all of humanity apart from Jesus, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. That is, this Jesus who met 
the standards of God alone who relied on his father. This Jesus died the death that you and I deserve. All the anger that should have been poured out on you and me was turned aside from us unto Jesus so that we could have life with God. And so therefore Jesus died the death that you and I deserve, but he didn't stay dead, of course. He rose from the dead so that we could rise up with him and have new life and be given the status of righteousness. As a friend of mine puts it, God gave us his best when we were at our worst. His best. His righteous one. And he did that for you and me. And resting in the security of his father, Jesus died and rose. And if we trust him alone to save us from the judgment to come, then he has given us the security of Psalm 1. All we need to do is trust him. He alone can give the ultimate blessing of rising from the dead to bring us to God. He alone can give us the standards that we can't reach on our own. If we just trust him alone to save us. Because it's not by our efforts. It's not by our moral standards. It's not by helping the old lady across the road or putting up garbage bins or, or giving lots of money to charity or going to church lots and lots or just improving on life and, and doing more and more and more for the church and doing more and more Bible reading. And Those are good things, but those things do not enable us to reach his standards. Only Jesus does that for us. And if we trust him alone, then we will have the security of a status before God that can never be improved on. And wickedness in that state may rob our homes and COVID and cancer may rob our lives and unfaithfulness may rob us of relationships and even marriage. But nothing can rob us from our security in Jesus if we trust him alone to save us. And if we trust Jesus alone as our Lord and Savior, we cannot improve our security or our blessings or our ultimate satisfaction anymore, our ultimate satisfaction, because God is satisfied with the righteousness of Jesus that covers all our flaws, all our failures, all our shortcomings, all our dark secrets that no one else knows, all our sins. He's covered all of that through his death and his resurrection alone. And if we trust him, listen to how God describes our status before him. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 and following, we read, Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ, note, with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. Which blessings? Note, every spiritual blessing. You can't get more blessed if you are in Christ Jesus, if you trust him. And what do those blessings consist of? It's all in red there. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That's a blessing. In love, he predestined us to be adopted through Jesus Christ. That's a blessing. We have redemption in him through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses. They're all blessings, right? And it's blessing upon blessing upon blessing upon blessing if we trust Jesus alone. And note, it's according to the riches of his grace. It's all given to us even though we don't deserve it. 
It's unmerited favor. It's undeserved forgiveness. That's what grace means. You know that song, Amazing Grace? Hands up if you know that song. I hope you all know that song, Amazing Grace. Yeah, it's a great song, isn't it? That song, Amazing Grace, today is the 250th anniversary of that song. Isn't that a great thing to celebrate? It's all about the grace of God. And that's why you and I can face the future of inevitable suffering and hardships and persecution and flaws and, and setbacks if we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. See, self-improvement will not ultimately satisfy. Our status before God cannot be improved upon. As we will sing in a moment, to this I hold, my hope is only Jesus. Not Jordan Peterson, not Oprah Winifrey, not anybody else. Not my own efforts. No, my hope is only Jesus, for my life is wholly bound to his. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing what? All is mine in Jesus. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. Oh, dear friends, dear brothers and sisters, it, it, it may be that you're here recognizing for the first time what grace actually means. And if that's you, I pray that you will bathe in it. But especially those of you who perhaps aren't sure whether you're a Christian or not here today, please know that it just means trusting in Jesus alone to be saved. And if you trust Jesus alone, then he will save you. And wait for it. There's more. Can you believe it? There's more, and it's better than steak knives, right? It's more. And what is the more? Well, God has given us much, much more in his Holy Spirit, who he primarily speaks to us through his word. Because the Holy Spirit's sword is the word of God. As someone put it, the scriptures teach us the best way of living the noblest way of suffering, and the most comfortable way of dying. Now, not only can we be at a status that you can't improve upon, he's given us even more the blessing of his holy word so that we know how we can live even more in alignment with the righteousness that he desires. And so as we begin 2023 together, let's remember Jesus Christ, who fulfills Psalm 1. And as it says, again, just quoting verses 1 and 2 again, how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers, but instead his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. The Lord's instruction that ultimately point to Jesus and Jesus alone will you follow him love him trust him well let's pray to him now we thank you dear father that Jesus is the Lord of heaven and earth and we do pray that for those of us who are 
yet to trust him alone as their Lord and Saviour, that they might even come to do that this night, if it is your will. And for those of us who do trust you as Lord and Saviour, help us always to remember that we cannot improve on our status before you. But we can bathe in your grace and mercy, knowing that we can sing, all is mine, yet not I, but through Christ in me. And we pray this in his name. You've been listening to a sermon recording from Auckland EV. We hope you found it helpful. And if you'd like to find out more about Jesus or about church, we'd love to get in touch. So check out our website at aucklandev.co.nz for more details. Thanks for listening.